Amen. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, musicians. All right, if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4, where we just read, that'd be great. It's good to be here tonight, and it's good to be here and a lot better than I was feeling through the rest of last week. Uh, Some of you may know that I was uh, pretty much on my back in bed, had a viral infection in the side of my throat, which was not fun at all. Um, So when Pastor asked me if I could preach a couple of days ago, I'm like, yeah, sure, hopefully I'm alive still. Um, So in light of that, I'm actually going to give you something that I preached about over six years ago because I couldn't concentrate to give you anything fresh. So hopefully your memory is as bad as mine and you can't remember anything from six years ago. Um, if you've got a photographic memory, then just go home because you've heard it all before. Uh, but no, it's, isn't it true that you can hear the same thing over and over and you can still get something fresh out of it uh, as long as your heart is ready to receive? So praise the Lord for that. And thank the people that have prayed for me just last week. I know not everyone knew I was sick, but just appreciate a church that prays. And um, even our brother Alex Holloway, he, he was kind enough to send me a, a devotion uh, through WhatsApp. Um, it's in Spanish. I have no idea what it says. So I'm sure it's encouraging. It might be really discouraging, but I guess I've got to learn Spanish and see what it says. But no, in, in all honesty, it's good to have just the brethren care and show their care. So praise the Lord for that. All right, Genesis 24. I might pray and then I will get stuck into this and have a look here. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this gathering tonight. Lord, and for this morning, we thank you for bringing each one here and, uh, Father, allowing us to open your word, to hear your word, and uh, to be challenged and changed by it, Lord. Uh, Father, I thank you for our church. Uh, Thank you for the encouragement that each one is, and we pray that you would help us to continue uh, in that heart and mind, Lord God. Help us to look on the things of others and to consider one another, Lord. Uh, Father, as we do that, we think of our pastor and brother Jim Hebley in America right now, and I pray that you would watch over them and use them mightily. Lord, uh, for your glory, we pray that you'd help them to minister uh, to the congregations over there that they speak to. I pray that you would keep their family safe while they're away, Lord God, and bring them back safely to us that we may be blessed by them as well, Lord. Uh, Father, we thank you once again uh, for this gathering tonight. Pray that everything that is uh, looked at and spoken, Lord God, that it would be edifying, uh, that it would be pleasing to you and glorifying to you, Lord. And I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I thank uh, Brother Jeff for reading those verses uh, in Genesis 24 earlier. And this is a very familiar passage. Uh, I've probably heard many sermons on it before. Uh, But really, we only read the first nine verses of this chapter. And the story obviously goes on about uh, Abraham's servant going out to find a wife for his son Isaac. Uh, But I want to focus in on the fact here tonight that this story is following someone who's been given responsibility. And it shows how he takes that responsibility, what he does with it, how he treats it. And that's really what I want to hone in on tonight. And I want to ask you this question, what responsibilities right now do you have? What are you responsible for? It might be who are you responsible for? But the reality is that we're all responsible for someone or something or some things. And I just want you to think about that as we, as we go through this because we all have something that might be different to each other, but we all have responsibilities. And uh, I guess this is an encouragement and a little bit of a push into, okay, how are we treating those responsibilities and the ones that have given them to us? Because um, here's, here's, here's the reality is that you have responsibilities, but someone is the author 
of those responsibilities. Someone is the authority over those responsibilities. So those responsibilities might be given to you to perform, to, to carry out, but someone has given those to you. Now, it might be just God, first and foremost, that you have responsibility to you know, glorify him, to preach the gospel, whatever it is. Um, but you might have another authority over you that's giving those responsibilities, and it may still be given by God, but how are we treating all that and how are we seeing all that? And are we seeing it the, the way that God wants us to see it? Um, because if they are the authors or the authorities over that, then what does that make us? It makes us the servant. It makes us the doer of the responsibility. So we're supposed to serve out those, those tasks, those responsibilities, but that makes us the servant of them. And that's not a swear word. Being a servant or being called a servant or identifying as a servant is not a bad thing. And I, I think being a servant has been given a, a pretty bad rap over the years, and sometimes we can just look at it like, ah, oh, that's, that's down here, and I don't want to be known as that. But that's how we ought to see ourselves as a servant. And this servant here saw himself as a servant. He was called a servant, but he accepted that. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Um, Some people would say, you know, I'm not a servant, I'm an employee. That's how they want to be known. But actually, you are a servant. You are carrying out responsibilities given to you by your authority. It might be your boss at McDonald's. It might be someone else high up in another company. But whatever it is, you are a servant to that and to them. That's not a bad thing. I'm not a servant. I'm a child. Or I'm a student. I'm not a servant in this school. Well, yes, you are. You have responsibilities to carry out under your teachers and your principal's authority. I'm not a servant. I'm a church member. I hope you're a servant in the church. I hope you're looking at yourself as a servant, not just I'm only called a church member. I mean, they're one and the same, but we need to see them like this. So, And and the truth is, like even without those examples... Ultimately, we're still a servant under God, aren't we? We come under his authority and the things that he expects of us. So if there's any authority over you, and we all have them, then you're a servant. I'm a servant. But here's the thing. You might not get to choose whether you are a servant or not. I didn't get to choose, but you get to choose what kind of servant that you're going to be. You get to make that decision. You get to to show what kind of servant you're going to be. Uh, You're not going to be judged by God according to what kind of authority you've been placed under, you're going to be judged by God according to how you served out under that authority. So you might have an authority over you that's just nasty, doesn't like you, makes things hard for you. Well, God's not going to judge you according to them. He's going to judge you according to how you handle that and whether you decide to do things God's way or not. That's how he's going to judge us. So what kind of servant that we are under these authorities? And before we look at the rest of this passage here, um, you might be familiar with it, but Paul describes in Philippians 2 the kind of servant that Jesus Christ was and what he did when he became a man. And I noticed these three things. I'll just tell them really quick. He said that he esteemed others better than himself. I mean, going to the cross is a pretty good example of that, isn't it? That he cared more about other people. He esteemed others better than himself. Secondly, he looked on the things of others. And I think that speaks of his compassion people and, and things and, and problems and hurts entered into his heart and he, he took time to notice people's pain. That's what a good servant does as well. The third one is this, is that he made himself of no reputation. So he attributed glory to the Father and that was Jesus Christ's whole mindset is that he was pushing people to the Father, pushing glory to the Father and not trying to steal anything for himself. Like Really, he, he deserved it himself because he is God but 
if we put ourselves in that shoe, we'd probably try and steal some glory for ourselves. But he pushed it all back to the Father. And that was the mindset of Jesus Christ. And I point this out because Christ is the ultimate example of a servant. So we could just look at Jesus Christ and say, well, we just need to be like that. But I guess tonight I just want to look at some practical outworkings of how we can better be a servant under whatever authority that we have. Okay, so just some practical things that uh, Abraham's servant here did, and hopefully that can be a help to us tonight. So I'll just introduce you a little bit to this story if you're not quite familiar with it, but uh, Abraham's servant really had most likely been there before Isaac was born. He'd probably come with, with Abraham out and had been there when Abraham left his father's house. And the Bible said that Abraham took people with him when he left his father's house. So if this servant was one of those people, then it's quite possible that he'd been with Abraham for at least 65 years before this point as a servant. That's a possibility. Now, don't, you know, I don't know 100%, but if he was a servant at that time, then he's already been serving Abraham for, really, we would say a lifetime already when we get to this point. That's, that's, a, pretty good, that's a pretty good run. But uh, initially, he might not have had a choice to become a servant, but like I said before, he has a choice of what kind of servant he's going to be. So if you have a look here, we read in verse 3 and 4 that Abraham gives his servant a task to go and find a wife for his son Isaac. And obviously this is very important, uh, important personally as Isaac's father, important to him just as, as a dad, but obviously according to God's promise and what God was going to do through Isaac and thereafter uh, his whole line. Uh, but my question to you and what I want us to think about tonight is why was this servant the one that was chosen to do this? Like Abraham didn't only have one servant. It says that he was the eldest servant, but why did Abraham choose this servant? What set him apart from all the other servants? There could have been hundreds, thousands of servants for all we know. But why did Abraham choose this servant? Well, I want you to look here in verse 2. It says this, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, that's where I want to stop. He was trustworthy. This servant showed himself and proved himself to be trustworthy. He ruled over every single thing that Abraham had. Abraham had put his trust in this person and you don't give someone rule over everything that you have if you cannot trust them. What would it take for you to trust someone else with everything that you have? I would find it hard, and I said this to one of my high school classes, I would find it hard to, to pick more than like three people in my class that I would trust my wallet with. And you might be like, yeah, well, they're high schools, as if you would trust them. But, and those three people are like nearly basically related to me. <laughs> but really, like how many people would you trust your wallet with outside of this room? How many people would you trust your, your passwords and your logins to? You think about how many you have and what that opens up, what power that gives someone. Well, that's, that's the same kind of thing that Abraham was entrusting his servant with. You know, your house keys. How many people are you going to trust your house keys with? Probably family, a few close friends, that might be it. Maybe a neighbour that you know very well. But Abraham asked this guy because he had shown that he was trustworthy. So are you showing your authority, whoever that is, are you showing them that you're trustworthy? Are you giving them reasons to trust you? Because that's important. That's an important part of being a good servant. 
is knowing that they can rely on you, knowing that they can give you a task and you'll fulfill it. You know, Jesus said in Luke 16.10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in what? In much. So give them a little bit, see what they do with that. Okay, I can trust them with that. I'll give them a little bit more and so on and so on. And guess what that takes? Time. (laughs) It takes a whole lot of time. So I might end up trusting one of my students with my wallet, but I'm not giving them all of my logins for everything. That might take, you know, a few hundred more years. <laughs> but, but you get my point? Is that this servant just didn't just do a few menial tasks for Abraham and just go, oh yeah, now he's fully trustworthy, just give him the keys to everything. No, he, he proved himself over a long period of time, I'm sure. And that's the kind of servant that we, we need to be. Because trust is something you build upon, it starts small, but you need to give your authority a reason to trust you. So just think about the things that you're responsible for And can your authority trust you with that? Or do they have reason to doubt what you will do with that? Can your authority authority hand you their wallet and password and keys to their house and know that you'll be a good citizen and not do anything wrong with that? Know that you'll be a good Christian and not do anything untoward with that? Do you have that kind of servant heart, that servant attitude? So that's the first one, is that he's trustworthy and we need to be that if we're going to be a good servant. Uh, So moving through here, uh, kind of quickly, moving through verse 10 and 11, uh, the servant gives this oath. He makes his journey with camels and obviously a whole host of other people uh, to the land of Mesopotamia. And let's have a look here in verse 12 and we'll see this servant's heart. In verse 12, this is what he said. And he said, O Lord God. So he's talking to God. He's praying and he's saying, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. The second thing I notice here is that this servant sought the best, not just for himself, but for his master. So he's saying, Lord, help me, help me to be speedy, help me to be uh, good and you know, help me to find the right path and all these sorts of things. Not just so I can say, hey, look at me, but for my master's sake, that people would have respect for my master, that my master would be blessed. And I wonder tonight, is that how you approach your authority? Is that how you think about your authority? Lord, would you please bless me so that they can be helped, so that they can be blessed? Would you please bless me, young person, so that my parents can be blessed? Would you please bless me so that my teachers can be blessed? Would you please help me so my spouse, my boss, my pastor can be blessed? So my question is, do we do that? Or do we do it enough? But this, this servant obviously did, and he cared about, he wanted, the, he wanted the best for his master. And here's the thing, I think this is a little bit similar to Philippians chapter 2, where uh, Paul talks about the ser- servant, uh, Jesus Christ as a servant, looking on the things of others. He cared about his, his master. He cared about his authority. He wasn't just in it for himself. He was asking God's power for his master to, to, to be blessed. And uh, it'll make a big difference in your approach to the responsibilities that you have if that's your attitude. So you think about it. If you've been given tasks, responsibilities, whatever it is, even as a parent, I mean, there's stuff as a parent that you just, you just don't want to deal with. You don't want to have to do. But God says, hey, it's, it's part of your responsibility. But... 
if you're, if you're looking at it in a different way, if you're looking at it like, hey, Lord, can you please bless me so that someone else can be blessed, then you can approach those harder things a little bit better and you can have a better attitude toward it and maybe not whinge so much. I mean, have you ever been guilty of just whinging about the responsibilities that you have? Well, when you look at it from this perspective, it makes it just that little bit harder to whinge about it because you're a little bit more invested in the person that you're doing it for. Hey, you know, we're not all here just to to serve a boss at work. Like, that's not our sole purpose. But God cares about how we serve our boss at work. God cares about how we respond to all these things. So this servant really did care about his master. He wanted his master to be blessed. So therefore, his prayer was, Lord, help me so that he can be helped, that he can be blessed, that he could, his, you know, his life can be easier, better, bigger. Because guess what? He was also going to receive of that. He was going to be a beneficiary of that. And I'm sure that's not why he prayed it, but it's a flow-on effect, isn't it? I mean, if your boss is happy with how you work and you've been praying to be used so that they can be, you know, bigger and increase and all that, you are going to receive a flow-on effect from that. And it's not selfish to pray that way if you're doing it with the right heart. But, hey, this is part of how we can be a good servant. Hey, I said it this morning, our pastor going overseas and, you know, being a blessing over there and also receiving over there, Do we not benefit from that? So we should be praying, hey, Lord, can you please help me to help my pastor? Because, yes, we are going to receive of that. That's not the reason that we pray it, but we see how the whole picture works. We see how God blesses and and works and all of that. So that should be a little bit of our approach in that. So this servant was trustworthy. He sought the best for his master. And let's have a look, look at another one here. He cared about what his master cared about. You know, someone asked me a couple of years ago, how do you be a good spouse? And I'm like, go and ask someone who's a good spouse. (laughs) No, you know, honestly, they're like, how do you be a good spouse? And I'm like, well, this is the best way I can put it, is I really don't care that much for quality of cooking utensils and, you know, what brand they are or anything like that. But I know that my wife does. I don't care so much about the colour red, but I know that my wife does. So if I want to be a better spouse to her, then I'm going to care about the things that she cares about. I'm going to start getting those things in my heart because they weren't there, but I'm going to get them in my heart so that I can just minister and get alongside her and help her a little bit and show some interest in the things that she's interested in, and then all of a sudden you start getting a better relationship. Well, it's a little bit like this. I'm pretty sure this servant had his own opinions and thoughts on things, but I'm sure he cared a little bit about what Abraham cared about. And he tried to get a little bit about what Abraham cared about into his heart so he can be a better servant in that area. So he cared about what his master cared about. And here's the thing. How do we see that? Well, look at this. He was told two specific things. He was told to go to the country or the land uh, where Abraham was from, which was Mesopotamia. And the second thing was to find a wife from Abraham's kindred, from Abraham's people. And it was important to him, this servant, to follow the instructions that were given to him. So Abraham gave him specific instructions and this servant said, you know what, if he cares about those specific details then I need to care about them. Because he could just go anywhere and find any lady and bring it back and be like, well, here you go, here's either wife for Isaac, she good enough? And Abraham would have been like, well, did you, did you care about the things that I asked? 
or did you just go off and, and do your own thing? Well, he actually cared about what God said. Because once he found his way to Mesopotamia, which was the right place, he didn't assume or cut corners and just, and just pick any lady. When he found a lady, look in verse 23. This is what he asked her. He found a lady and he said, Whose daughter art thou? Whose daughter art thou? Why did he ask that? He just wants to know his, her family tree, <laughs> just for some random reason. Put it on Ancestry.com. No, he asked her that because he wanted to know, are you from Abraham's people? Because that was one of the specific details that Abraham required. So this servant locked those things away in his mind. Are you thinking about this for yourself, for where you're responsible for things and what your authority likes, prefers, the details they've given you? Are you locking those things away and going, they prefer that, they like that, they ask for this? That's what this servant did. He, you know, he took note of those things and he's like, this is important. I know my master says it's important, so I need to make it an important thing to me. Hey, have you ever asked someone else to send a text message for you, you know, while you're driving? Yeah, I'm very be driving with your mobile phone. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, I'm very guilty of that, so I'm just you know, tongue-in-cheek. But have you ever asked someone else to send a text message for you and you said, can you please tell them this and you'll say specific words and they'll just, they'll just write their own version of that? And then, you, and then you say, well, what did you actually send? And they'll read it out and you'll be like, that's not what I asked for. I asked for you to use these words and put the full stop there and make sure there's a comma after this word and only one exclamation mark, not two. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. Like if, I, if I get my daughters to write a message for me, I will tell them word for word, full stop, space, commas, because I, I know what I'm trying to convey and, and present to that person or ask or whatever it is. I know the tone that I want it to come across. You leave out a comma or you put an exclamation mark, you put something in all caps, it completely changes. <laughs> hey, you know that. When someone sends you an email, it's in all caps, they're shouting at you. That's just unacceptable, all right? But you get my point? It matters, it matters how you pass that message on. So if your authority, if someone over you, or whoever you're responsible for, whatever it is, is asking for those details, then you need to make them important to you. Hey, if, if your pastor is asking for a specific thing, then you need to get that in here a little bit and consider that. Young people, if your parents are asking for things to be done a certain way, then get that in here a little bit. You might be like, I don't understand why they want it that way. Okay, there's a reason. There is a reason. You may not know it, but there's a reason. And God's saying, how are you actually going to respond to that? And this servant is a really good example of that. And we might be like, yeah, but, you know, he was like led of the Lord. You know, it's like in the Bible, like he just had God with him. It was all over him. No, he, he chose to be led of the Lord. He chose to have a relationship with God. He chose to put those things in his heart and make them important to him because he was choosing what kind of servant he would be. And we have that same opportunity to choose that. He knew what his master cared about, so he went and asked whose daughter she was. And have a look in, in verse 24, uh, her response, and she says basically that she's from Nahor's line, which is Abraham's brother. So ding, 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 he found the right person. He found a candidate of su as, as such. And he was being diligent and specific. He was giving attention to detail. And really, you know, that's what it boils down to, attention to detail. Caring about what your authority cares about, having some attention to, to detail. And sometimes you're not going to understand why it needs to be done like that, but hey, 
if a ministry leader asks, say, this is how we do it, then you can, you can question why do we do it that way, but don't argue about it. If they say, this is how we do it in this ministry, then okay, have some understanding of that and just take that on board. Get it in your heart. It doesn't mean you have to have the same convictions and feel exactly the same way that they feel, but it means that as a servant, we should respect their requests, their decisions, their way of doing things. And, you know, it's not just about ministry leaders. It's, it's all these authorities. It's your boss. It's whoever. For some of us, it's our spouse, whatever it is, okay? But this servant's attitude was if he cares about it, I care about it. And remember, it's probably something that God cares about too. And he cares about how you respond to it. Here's another thing that we see, is that when he had success, that he attributed glory to God for it. And like I said before, he didn't try and take it for himself because this lady, who's Rebecca, obviously told him who she was. She fit the criteria that was required. And we see his response. And have a look here in verse 26 and 27. This is how he responded uh, when he found the right lady. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. It's important as a good servant to have your own walk with the Lord. And you might say, well, my, my workplace is not a Christian workplace. Yeah, but you need to have your own walk with the Lord so that you can be a good servant in that non-Christian workplace. When your boss has success, you need to praise the Lord for that because you've probably been praying for it, that your boss would have success. And if you haven't been, then maybe that's something you need to start doing. You know, if in your family that your, your parents have success, hopefully it's because you've been praying that your parents would have success. And then you can praise the Lord for it. You can be like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayers for my family, for my parents, whoever it is. But this servant had, had his own walk with the Lord. He wasn't just piggybacking off Abraham's walk with the Lord. He had his own and he was attributing success to the glory of God. He took time to worship the Lord and he didn't take credit for himself. He wasn't about making himself look good. And we need to be humble to give glory to God when it's due, when it's due him. But obviously, if we're not even asking for it, we're not even going to look at it like that. If we're not asking for blessing for our authority, then we're not even going to really attribute anything to the Lord, are we? Because we're just taking it for ourselves, or we're just it's totally we're totally oblivious to it. So I wonder if that's how we approach things is giving glory to God when there's success in these responsibilities that we carry out. So moving along in the story, after this, Rebecca, he found Rebecca, he ran, she ran and told her family about what's happened. This man's showing up and basically asking who I am and you know giving me these gifts. Then Laban, her brother, came out and invited the servant and all his, everyone that was with him into the house. Look at verse 33 here. And this is what happens. And there was set meat before him, that's Abraham's servant and all of the people that were with him, to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. Now that's an interesting response. This servant put his master's request before his own desires. Think about this. This servant has travelled a number of kilometres over a long period of time with a lot of other tired and hungry men and camels on their journey 
but his priority was a task that he'd been given by his master. So he comes into this household and they say, hey, sit down, have, some, have something to eat. You've obviously been on a long journey, you're tired, you're weary. But this servant said, you know what, I'm not even going to eat before I've told you why I've come here. Because the priority for me is the task that I've been given, is the responsibility that I have. So I'm going to put off some things that I can enjoy for myself right now so that I can focus on what is important right now. Because he also didn't compromise. He didn't say, you know what, I'll tell you while we sit down and eat. Or I'll tell you after we eat. He didn't even say that. He just said, no, I'm not even going to touch that food until I get out the responsibility that I'm here to do. That's, that's integrity right there. That's commitment right there. That's someone who cares about their authority and, cares and takes things seriously that, that their authority takes seriously. You know, that would have been very, very inviting, I'm sure. It would have been a good spread. It wouldn't have just been, you know, cheese and crackers. It would have been something pretty hearty, I'm sure. And maybe even all the other people that were with this servant were like, what's he doing? We're starving. Why isn't he taking this offer up? Well, he was also showing them, hey, you know what? It's important what our master has been requesting. So we need to get that done first before we think about ourselves. And I'm not saying you have to fast every day until you get all your work done. But he's showing us a little bit of a pattern here that it's important to make sure that what's important to our master is important to us. Okay? So that was important to him. Uh, make sure your responsibilities are your priorities because it's easy to let them slip, isn't it? Is to, is to let our responsibilities and our priorities kind of just waver a little bit and just kind of whatever it ends up being. But we need to make our responsibilities our priorities. If you're a parent, then you need to make whatever God said is your responsibility as a parent a priority. You can't just let, you know, the kids sort themselves out over a number of years and just hope that they turn out fine. You need to set it as a priority. Okay, I need to be serious about this. And you take that with ministry, with, with serving in church. Okay, it's a priority, then I need to make sure it's a priority. If it's important, make it a priority. And that's what this servant did. Jesus said in Luke 2.49 when uh, Mary and Joseph searched for him and found him in the temple talking with the teachers and Jesus said to his parents there, he said, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? He was establishing a norm there that his priority was the work of the father. That that was, that was the most important thing for him to do. Now, you know, what you do at work may not be the most important thing you do in your whole week, but while you're at work, it's a priority. You should be thinking about that and not thinking about your plans for the weekend. You understand what I'm saying? It sounds like a really simple thing, but how often can you just slip and just, oh, yeah, let that creep in and let this creep in, and then all of a sudden you haven't really done much work today because you haven't made your work and your responsibilities a priority. So this servant obviously held that very high in regard that I'm going to make sure I do what I'm called to do and what I've been asked to do and I'm going to do it right. And this servant had the same mind and the same heart that Jesus had when he was about his father's business. So ask yourself, do you set a priority on doing what you're expected to do or do you just focus on what you can get from it? Because that's, that can be a lure. So from here, the servant goes on to tell Rebecca's family who he is, who his master is, I'm Abraham's servant, what he's been sent to do, etc., etc. But what stood out to me about the servant here is actually in verse 34 and 35. And we'll just read those two verses. It says, And he said, the servant said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. 
And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. This servant not only cared about what his master cared about and not only made his responsibilities his priority, but he actually spoke well of his master. He, he lifted his master up in the sight of other people. And you might be sitting here going, there's no way I'm lifting up the boss that doesn't like me and that is not saved. I'm not lifting them up in the sight of other people because they don't deserve it. Well, I think God might be thinking something else of that. He might be expecting you to speak well of your authority, even if you don't like them and even if they don't like you. Even if they're you know, not treating you like exactly like they should, God's saying, how are you going to speak about them? Because I'm not judging them. I'm not judging you based on how good or bad they are. I'm judging you based on what you're going to do with what you get given. So this servant is saying, you know what, I'm going to talk well of my master. I'm going to put my master in, in good light in these people's eyes. And, you know, he might be like, well, they kind of already know him because they're related to him, but I think this servant would do that regardless. He just walked up into a stranger on, a street, on the street. He'd talk well of Abraham and he'd lift him up and say, you know what, my Lord has blessed my master and he's been giving him this and you know, speaking well of him. And do you do that for the people that, you're, that are above you? that are your authority? Do you speak well of them? Is it hard to do that? Yes, it can be. And I know I've said this probably a number of times, but it's, it's like the ugly newborn baby. When someone says, hey, isn't this cute? And you're standing there going, that is not cute. That is ugly. There is nothing good about that child. I cannot say it is, is beautiful or anything like that, but you know what? You can just find some small thing that you can say that's good about that baby. I like his little fingernails. They're so cute. He's got the ugliest face ever, but his fingernails are really cute. Honestly, that's what I do, so don't take offence, but that's, if you show me a baby and I think it's ugly, I'm not going to tell you it's cute. I'll focus in on some part, like, oh, his hair's really nice. But you, you, get, you get a choice about what you say and about what you present, okay? So even if there's like a hundred bad things, you can find one good thing about that, that authority. If your boss mistreats you and underpays you or you know, just treats you badly or whatever, you can find some good quality in that person and you can talk about that and put weight to that and make that more important than all these other things that you find negative. I say this to our young people all the time. You know, you can sit there and complain and complain about parents and rules and stuff that you don't like, but at the end of the day, God's going, hey, do you actually respect them? Do you honour them? And how you honour them is finding the good things and talking about that and projecting that and showing other people, hey, they're not all these things I don't like, because whether they're true or not, but they're like this. Because all your friends can talk about, you know, forever and a day about how unfair life is under their parents and all that. But God's going, no, you need to honour them and you need to lift up them in other people's sight. So we need to do that. We need to do that with the authorities that we're under. Hey, guys, we need to do that for our pastor. Our pastor doesn't always get emails that are complimenting him on things. Our pastor always doesn't get comments and people talking to him about how good things are and how, how much they love him. It's a, lot, a lot of the times it's the opposite. So we need to be talking good of our pastor because he's the man that God has put here for us, for this church. He's the man that God has gifted us. 
So we need, to, we need to take that approach and be like, you know what, I may not understand every single decision that he makes, but I'm going to talk well of him and I'm going to ask for blessing for him. I'm going to be that kind of servant in this church. We need to be that for our pastor. And this servant here was doing that for his master and he cared about making other people see his master as a good man and that's someone that God has blessed. So there's always something good that you can say and you need to just focus on that. And just like in Philippians 2, this servant was esteeming others better than himself. He wasn't making it all about him. Hey, you know what? I made this whole big journey and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he was saying, you know what? My master has been blessed. He was making it about somebody else. And I I dare say that this servant may not have always agreed with everything that Abraham had done, every decision that he had made. Uh, Genesis 20, if he was there, which he most likely was, when Abraham lied to Abimelech about Sarah, being his sister, I'm sure he was there and probably didn't agree with everything that Abraham said there, but he would have just continued to do his role as a servant and done what was expected of him and no doubt not talk bad about him behind his back and get everyone else offside. He would have done what was right and he would have just followed and done his responsibilities and done them to the best of his ability. So I made this point and it's one that you need to think about because it crosses everything, whether it's parents, spouse, boss, pastor, whatever. Don't allow your authority's failures to become all that you see. Because that's really, really easy to do, is to pick that one bad thing, that one decision or one thing you don't agree with and go, that's who they are. And that's all I see when I look at them, when I think about them, when I work for them, whatever it is. Don't let their failures be all that you see. Because that's not fair. (laughs) Because if someone did that to us, then you would never get trusted with anything. And God doesn't do that to us either. It's easy to point out faults and speak bad about someone, but it's much harder and more humbling to talk good about them. Especially when it's an an unsaved boss and just a hard work environment or a spouse or whatever it is. It's, It's often hard, but it's humbling and it's good for us to talk good of them. So this servant respected the position of authority and I think that's something lacking today. Uh, respecting positions of authority. But when we don't, what are we training other people to do? So we, we often think about this in the home, like oh, when, you, when you don't show respect for your spouse, then you know, obviously you're training your kids not to have respect for their parents or their future spouse, whatever. But even just think about it in the workplace or in the ministry, When you don't show respect for authority, you're just teaching other people to do exactly the same thing. And then one day you you wonder why no one has respect for you as an authority. It's just, you know, it's a snowball effect. But when we do respect authority, we're reinforcing biblical principles and that's always a good thing to do. And that's what we're looking at tonight. Some biblical principles that we can take away practically. So... Moving on from here, the servant explained the whole situation to Rebecca's family. He comes to the point where he's basically asking for approval to take her and to be Isaac's wife. And he asks one very important question. And look here in verse 49. This is the question that he asks to Rebecca's family. He says, And now if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. It's a very interesting question that he broaches the family. If you're going to deal 
kindly with, that, with my master, then just tell me if you are or not. I need to know because if you aren't, then I'm going to turn away from here. It's a very interesting thing because I don't see anywhere recorded in this passage that Abraham required that, that he said, oh, this family must deal kindly and well with me for that lady to come back and be my son's wife. He didn't put a stipulation on that. I think it was a, it was a personal conviction that this servant had because all the other boxes were ticked. She's from the right land and she's from the right family and as long as she's happy to come with him, then that's, that's pretty much everything ticked. But this servant said, hey, are you going to deal kindly with my master? I need to know because that's important to me. Obviously, because it's important to him that this family is going to deal well with him, talk well of him, have a good relationship with him. Hey, who wants to have someone else in that relationship that's not going to deal well with the person that you're under authority to? You don't want fighting's going on above you and you want people that are for your master. Yeah, just get me when I say master. I'm not saying that you're just like a slave to all these different people. Just putting it in the light of this. But you don't want people that are fighting with your authorities all the time and saying, hey, yeah, this is a fun situation to be in. You want people that are for them. You, know, you want people that are for your parents, young people. You want people that are for your bosses, not the opposite. And so for this servant, it was important that people were going to talk well of his master and treat him well. And that's a good conviction to have. Because when you remind yourself that your authorities are God-given, then you'll give more care to how you treat them and how others treat them. You'll care more about how others treat your boss and your pastor and all these sorts of things when you care more about the fact that God put them in your life. When you accept, hey, hang on a minute, God has placed me under this authority. It's not just random chance that I got this job and you know, I'm working for someone who's unsaved. God's opened the door for me to be here, so I need to care about that. I need to care about how people treat that. I need to make sure I'm treating it correctly as well. So... It mattered to him how other people treated his master. After all this, there's only one more I want you to look at. Rebecca's family agreed to let her become the wife of Isaac. And finally, in verse 61, we see the last character trait of this servant. Verse 61, it says this, And Rebecca arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, that's a servant, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. So what's the, what's the final character trait of this servant that we need to think about? is the fact that he fulfilled his commitment. He went through and he did everything that was asked of him and he did it correctly and he finished the job. He didn't leave it half undone because you know what? He wanted to continue to build trust underneath his master. He didn't just leave a job half done. He didn't just fulfill part but the whole lot. So for us, we need to, com- we need to purpose to complete what is asked of us. Whatever responsibility we've given, we need to make that a priority to complete it. You know, you know those people that just start a whole bunch of things and never actually finish them? You can't put a lot of trust in those people. You know, they can change and they can, you know, make some better decisions. Or what, but you're not going to be putting a whole lot of trust in someone who never finishes anything, who never completes anything. And this servant was very much not that. He did what it took. He took his commitment seriously and he did it with integrity. And I think that if you asked any person in this whole chapter that this servant came across, they'd be able to tell you that he served his master faithfully. If you interviewed anyone that he came across, they'd be like, you know what, that is a good servant right there. He always spoke well of him 
He, he cared about the things that his master cared about. He wasn't, you know, persuaded by other stuff. He didn't even want to eat until he'd done the thing that he'd been asked to do. If you interviewed any of those people, they'd be like, yep, pick him. You can come work for me. That's what they would have been thinking. So this master did all that with integrity. And, you know, he's really, he's showing the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ here. That's what I see in this. And it's because of these characteristics, he would have been entrusted with all that Abraham had in the first place. That's why Abraham picked this servant, because he's showing all these different traits. And we get to decide that we actually follow those things too. We get to decide how much of these things we put into our Christian life and how much of these things we put into our relationships and and our responsibilities. We get to decide how much. No one else decides that for us. So we decide how much we put in this heart of ours, how much we care about other people, how much we want to put on priorities and responsibilities. So what kind of servant are you? Do you show these characteristics? Are there ones that you can improve on? I know for me, there's there's a few that I can improve on in this. But whenever I read this passage, it just makes me go, wow, he he takes his responsibilities very seriously. He did a good job and he represented his master well. He represented God well. He had a walk with the Lord. He gave God glory. This, you know, good stuff came out of his mouth. Someone that people would respect and, and trust with things. That's the kind of servant that I want to be. I want to work more towards being that kind of servant. So I hope that's a few, few things that you can think on that maybe you can practice and put into place and uh, do with that whatever you can do to, to please and glorify the Lord. So that's it for tonight. I'll just pray and then uh, we'll pretty much be dismissed. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us once again uh, to hear your word, to see your word and to, to see your example, Lord God, to see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, example as a servant and even just this servant here and in this passage, Lord, we thank you for the, the characteristics that he showed and the things that we can learn from that. I do pray, Lord God, that you would help us uh, to take these matters seriously, uh, to remember and to, to consider, Lord God, that you've put us in the place that we're at. You've uh, placed authorities over us for our protection. Uh, Lord, also, you are, are seeing how we handle those things all the time. And I pray that you would help us to have a heart to, to follow you, to do what is right, to speak well of others, Lord, to, to esteem others better than ourselves and Father, just to to show the heart and mind of Jesus Christ in in our daily walk, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for the responsibilities we do have, that you've entrusted us with things. Help us to be good stewards of them, Lord God. Help us to set a good example for those around us, whether it's younger people, Lord, or just other Christians or non-Christians, Lord, just to be a good example of the Lord Jesus Christ and servanthood. And Father, we thank you once again uh, for taking care of our pastor and his family. We pray that you continue to bless them. And uh, keep them safe, Lord God, and use them mightily for your, your glory, Lord God. Father, we thank you for this whole day that you've given us. We pray that you would help us uh, go into this week with your blessing, with your help, and a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. And we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.